she gone? Yeah. Nice looking woman. She isn't my type. What are you talking about? Look at yourself. You're nobody. You're nothing. You're wanted in connection with a violent crime. You're cleaning the floor of a diner. She is an intelligent, passionate, beautiful, rich woman. The issue of whether or not she is your type, not one that you are likely to have to resolve in this world. Or indeed the next, since she will be going to some heaven for a glamorous pussy, and you will be cleaning the floor of a diner in hell. I guess so. So why are you even thinking about it? I don't know. Finish the floor. Cinema Nine Podcast. <laughs> uh, I am joined by Angela, wife of co-host Eric. Angela, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Travis? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. We've uh, we've had we've had all kinds of issues today, uh, technologically speaking, and also in terms of scheduling and time. I was pretty late getting here. had a, had a big day. It was like my students' like graduation ceremony, so that was cool. Right. But it, you know, got me in a little late. And then Mike's computer took a shit on him, and Eric has disappeared right before we were about to go live. I'm like, we have to go live, or else we lose like the the the, the stream or whatever. So uh, we went ahead and jumped right in. So yeah, and you're a podcast podcast host now. Sounds good. Eric will be back. I'm sure. <laughs> He's up there. There he there is. He is. <laughs> Eric, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> How are That's things in Griffith Park, Indiana? Uh, dude, I, I'm I'm super anxious, even when things are working perfectly. So you can imagine uh, 
I'm feeling a little bit hectic right now. <laughs> yeah, ordinarily this is like a hobby that we do for fun, but sometimes it can be like weirdly stressful when <laughs> there's mass technological failure all at once. Except for for me, for once everything's working fine in my world, but I'll just cross my fingers on that one. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> the close talking was intense, Travis. <laughs> so we're yeah, we're sans mic at the moment, so you don't get your colorful flavorful uh opening <laughs> riffs from the great mike gobier but l- luckily uh, you know hopefully he will be here shortly to, uh, to discuss tonight's film our feature spotlight film a life less ordinary 1997 danny boyle film but we're still going to come at you with the same quarantine viewing pics and all that shit you're used to <laughs> yeah eric you have a pretty bad connection or something and i think you're probably gonna be better off with the headphones than without them so uh maybe drop out and come back um sorry for yet more trouble but you were very quiet and you sounded kind of like um i don't know c3po so uh <laughs> and we're really glad to have you back in the show last time you chose uh dead poet society <laughs> Yeah, and I felt kind of bad because I said it, I didn't feel like it held up, but everybody else thought it held up. That's okay. That's what opinions are for, man. This is true, <laughs> um, but we're we're really glad to have you back on. Um, have you been watching any movies besides A Life Less Ordinary? I have. You I have? Wa- yeah, I watched well, a few. You watched a few. That's good. Well, this is typically the part of the show where I would kick off our um, our quarantine viewing picks. You know, all the stuff that we've been watching but uh we're obviously doing things a little differently today um so <laughs> would you mind kicking us off and telling us you know since you're, you're the you're the guest host and um you know we're doing things differently would you tell us what you've been watching yes it's it's probably it there it's so random it's such a random collection that's good films i mean very random lots of different genres some are laughable so <laughs> All right, my first, my first one that I watched was a classic called "Hello Dolly" with Barbara Streisand. I love Babs. I just I love her. So "Funny Girl" is one of my favorite all time classics. So I'm like, all right, I'll give "Hello Dolly" a chance, and it it was surprisingly good. I, I thought it was going to be real lame. Like the costumes turned me off. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> like, yeah. this kind of, uh, this era of film is usually not my bag, but when you're watching Barbara, you can't go wrong in my opinion. So, um, so that one, um, right on. just great. I watched snow white and, uh, I'm like anticipating the new snow white. So I was like, let me look at the old cartoon again. And, um, I mean, yeah, it's it's Snow White. I've seen it a million times. I love it. Um, I was watching it with Fawn, and she got, like, super creeped out by some of the music. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, it's it's pretty scary. Um, And then this one is probably the most interesting one that I watched that I never saw before. And it was, um, it was, like, a thinker afterwards. I'm like, do I like it? Do Mm. I not? I don't know. It's called She's Gotta Have It by Spike Lee. Never seen it before. I checked it out and I was like, it can't mean what it sounds like. I mean, it does. That's that's what it means. She's gotta have it. She's gotta have a lot of it. And um, We're talking about coitus. 
Yes. Oh, okay. That's why to be sure for the for the folks so, in the back. But it was cool. It was like a really cool style. It was like close up, black and white, beautiful photography, and everybody's talking to the camera way before that was a thing. And um, it's just about this girl living in the city in her studio and all these guys that she has around her and like uh, how she meets them all and their relationship to each other. And I got bored about halfway through, but then by the end I was like, so, so Spike Lee did address like, so uh, one of the guys tells her to go to a shrink because she's got to have it too much. So maybe she's an addict. She's, and, she's hysteria. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's like a female shrink and the female shrinks like, uh, Nope, there's nothing wrong with you. That's just what the guy <laughs> wants you to believe. Um, so he addressed it. So mm-hmm. after that, I was like, okay, so it's just an interesting tale. What about, year did it come out? Do you remember? Did you catch that? Somewhere in the early '80s, but I don't know for yeah, sure. It but it's early. one of his. It's one of his early ones, and he's in it, and his sister's in it. So it's pretty cool. All right. Yeah, those are it. All right, so that's what you watched. <laughs> yeah, I fell <laughs> All asleep right. during a couple of them. We watched White Men Can't Jump. Eric will probably talk about it. I fell asleep. It was good, but I fell. Asleep. Well, that's good. true. We're we're doing it this time where two of the people have been watching the same movies, more or less, right? So not Eric, those ones. Not those not ones. Those ones I just I mentioned. Uh, yeah. Okay, but you watched uh, White Man Can't Jump together. Yeah, Eric, we're doing things differently. Why don't we jump with you? Going. Why don't you be a white man and jump, <laughs> and uh, we'll jump into your uh, picks, and I'll go last. Maybe Govier will pop in. Watch the, the Frighteners, the Peter Jackson film. It's been a long time since I checked in with the 1996 effort from the great Peter Jackson. Uh, it's it's a bonkers movie, dude. When's the last time you took a look at it? I deliberately was holding off. For, it's on the short list. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. Like it loses mm. for me. It loses steam after like an hour of like this kind of interesting and like a tales from the crypt sort of way. Like that. Like it just kind of derails for me into just this hectic, chaotic, mm. incoherent trash. So I, I wasn't Ooh. feeling it this time around, man. I remember liking it, but this time I was like. It's kind of a mess, so I don't know about the Frighteners. Um, you know, I teased that I watched the film by a legendary director that was so horrible, I had to shut it off with, like, only a half hour to go. Curly Sue. So, the great John Hughes, <laughs> it's his, it was his last film, and I had stayed uh, away for the longest time, but I'm like, well, yeah. how's that going to be, like, cute little girl, like, she probably has to, like, thwart some, like, robbers. No, it's not that at all. She like her and her homeless father, played by Jim Belushi, scam their way through two hours of the most horrifically <laughs> written, piss poorly directed shit I've ever. It was offensive to like homeless people. It was horrifically abominable. I hated it. I remember Isn't it that came Jesse out- Eisenberg's little sister. Is it really? I think so. Like the oh. Pepsi girl. Yeah. I think it came out like the same, like, you know, when Hollywood does like the double movie thing and like uh, Steve Martin's A Simple Twist of Fate came out like right at the same time, I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was like, you know, like, let's, let's, but, and I think that, uh, did we talk Three Fugitives on here? There was, there was a big, after Three Men and a Baby, there was a big run of like harrying up babies and children with men. And of course, <laughs> Little Lady. Yeah, know. I mean, yeah, forget it, was, that one. it was unreal. Like, they devote like literally like 12 minutes to a sequence where, Jim Belushi and Curly Sue like go to the movies and like thwart to steal a man's pop and popcorn, and it just goes <laughs> on and on and on. And we're supposed to be like rooting for them. Uh, I was like, put this little shit to bed. I don't care if she's homeless. 
Yeah, Curly <laughs> Sue sucked, man. The Big Chill. Oh, yeah, we did watch The Big Chill. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. We weren't feeling it. I, I thought it was cringeworthy, dude. I don't think it holds up. That's and another. That's another one that was on my short list. I guess just, I can just start scratching these off. Dude, <laughs> I know how you like feel it, now. Like, <laughs> I actually enjoyed it more than that. It's really? just such a baby boomer movie that it's like, oh, oh boy, like yeah. oh these songs. Okay, these, yep, songs these are my down. mom's songs for yep. sure. This conversation. Hey, remember uh, when we used to? I was like, oh come on. <laughs> I believe they're Not talking my like, generation. There's some you guys don't know action. shit. You don't hey, know shit. There he is. Big chill. There he is. Fucking don't know shit. The big chill. I mean, I'm hearing some shit over here. I'm pissed about already. Papa's pissed. Hey, I love the big chill. This guy's coming. Kevin Klein in his little short shorts. Who doesn't love it? Those are so short. They're so short. I'm so sorry, guys, about all the. Hey, hey, you're here. Yeah, you made it. You're right. It's the past. The past is the past. But Curly Sue, come on. She's cute. Curly's. She's not. Oh, fuck that. And White Man Can't Jump is a fucking classic and all time classic. Oh, yeah. We said we liked that one. No, you said you fell asleep, motherfucker. That has nothing to do with anything besides being exhausted a lot. New parent. Yeah. Okay. It was really good until I fell asleep. Yeah, I just that the ending like I've never seen a film since that like had the balls to just have the the you know the leading lady just walk away from this asshole. I hear a baby right now. That's fun. That's we complication. All the Brandstroms are hosting tonight. Yeah, <laughs> Eric's Eric's up there with fun, so he's gonna have to you know. What I'm really taking, doing my best. They'll be taken care of. That's cool. Really she's a she's a night owl, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh, inside. So, oh, you watched it. Yeah. And like, man, uh, I, I was, I was kind of blown away. Like, I rolled my eyes a few times. I mean, like, there's only so much you can hear a dude be like comparing, like having that's not true at all. At home to like wanting to end his life, but, but, dude, I was just so impressed with the output this dude put out uh, just by himself. Like all the lights, just all the technical gadgetry he had to do yeah. by himself. Like I've had to do that with my short films because I have no actors, but like this is infinitesimally uh, exponential in, in the talent. So I applaud him. Uh, I loved it. What movie? Inside. Uh, let, let's talk it for a moment since you watched it let's, too, right, Mike? Fucking ain't right. I mean, I've been waiting to talk about it since I saw it on Saturday. So let, let's, let's, let's do it. what do you think? I mean, I like, I, like I, like I said, to you guys on the, on the, on the text, like Mike, I figured that you would like it. I figured that you would like the comedy bits that the dark bits would you wouldn't be totally into the, the darker portions of the film but that you would really dig the like the honesty and the mental health uh angle of it mm -hmm. eric i like i yeah I, I figured you would either love it or find it really self-indulgent i and, did I, yeah i did both of those but like i yeah. still ultimately loved it like i'm sorry but like white woman's instagram hilarious <laughs> sketch but like Making fun of the way other people do their art, I can't get behind that. But. No. Yeah, see, see, for me, it was like it. I like the darker half, like because once he turns thirty, which is exactly dead center of the movie, like the dead fucking center. Um, A lot of spoilers you know. here, Angela. By the way, well, that's okay. I'm just about to. Sorry, I'm <laughs> anxious because I hear her cry. Oh, she, there she looked, she's right okay. there. All right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I really, um, I, I dug the uh, the. <laughs> the vibe of that pretty like you know it's like a comedy like the only comedy movie ever like you know or like comedy special i ever cried at so that's something <laughs> yeah i talked about stop making sense a few weeks ago i think this is, as far as performance art goes and performance-based films 
this can stand beside it easily, especially for a 21st century performance film. Wow. Mike, what'd you think? Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> wow. Well, <sighs> Travis is right. So this is just so funny. And I was, I hadn't had an experience like this in ever. Sometimes I, it was, I was sitting here in this exact seat and looking up at this TV right here on Saturday. And I was just mesmerized and I was laughing. I was, ha, ha! You know, I, by all by myself, nobody was here inside the house. And I just had no idea what to expect. I didn't do an, you know, this is classic me. If you know me about movies, I don't, you know, Eric is the opposite. We all know he digs through every fucking script and every possible <laughs> scenario that could happen with the movie before it comes out. And that's fine. That's cool. It's your thing. I like to go in dry, and even though you talked about it on the show, you didn't really tell me, or at least I ignored it. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say the, much. Yeah, I didn't say I, much. well, that's good. I appreciate that because this is performance art. It's a stand-up special, but you know, it's a movie kind of. It's a documentary. It's 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 almost like, and this is hard to do, really hard to do in these days. It's almost its own thing completely, and. That's big ground, man. That's that's. I'm not a Bo Burnham fan. I I, I mean, me neither. Grade was, I didn't think right. That's what you said too, right? You know, I didn't dislike eighth, him. Yeah. yeah, eighth grade was a tough watch. It was well done though. I'll give him credit for that. Tough watch, and his shit on YouTube. Apparently, he's been on YouTube since 2006. And I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. But this but. is yeah, this is a guy who's catapulted to the point that he is in his life just based solely on his talent. You know, I mean he got a huge YouTube YouTube following by making these funny little songs and being honest with his comedy and and it never really did it for me when it was on YouTube because it's it's fucking YouTube and you know I've told you guys how I feel about YouTube generally. Um but oh uh, yeah. But uh <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you guys both liked it. Um, we don't need to derail the show any further, I guess, unless you guys. No, wait, 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 wait. I, I want to say a couple more things. I have. Go to. ahead. Go ahead. Well, let's just, it's not my turn. I mean, I can wait till my turn to talk. Well, about I mean, it. we're on the subject now. My, Eric, we, we'll, we'll, you can pick up where we, where we, the show's all fucked that. up here. It's all different. Today. Yeah. Yeah. We're okay. doing things differently. <laughs> it, it's just, you don't get that kind of comedic, uh, vibe and routine and effort from, uh, nowhere so everything yeah. he did prior has got me really curious about actually digging back into all the stuff he's done sure. before because yeah. there's got to be a few more laughs at minimum oh yeah i mean <laughs> the commentary this is this is being turned into like the leftist comic guy too a lot of people are turning this mm, into a political yeah it, it look i, he I makes some pretty political he makes some very political statements like he said he, at one point he says all property private property is theft which is pretty fucking left that's even that's like i'm like whoa 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 stalin like <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing i was talking to luke about it friend of the show luke Horbeck. Lennon, and, you know luke luke loves to put a leftist slant on everything but not your like you easy say. going middle of the road leftist you're hard leftist and he loved it luke even loved it he's like i fucking loved this movie it was incredible and he yeah. laughed his ass off all these people who uh wanted to be leftist though he's just making social comments things about right. people's existence I don't, I don't this is the last thing i'll say it's never about politics we're talking about humanity and social change mm. which doesn't have to be political movements legislative movements at all it's about yeah. how we work with one another behavioral stuff it's definitely not partisan like he's not talking about like he's not like pro-democrat right like he's no. he's like he's like any anything political has happened like you're right it's more of a humanitarian kind of angle that he's talking from yeah um but I'll so uh, yeah so 
Um, Eric, go ahead and pick it off. But I, I, I will say, fucking Bo Burnham's inside. Our, after our last show last week, I poured myself many beers and had myself a nice little dance party to the soundtrack, which is not a thing I usually do. She put um, on a ghillie suit and sing the Jeff Bezos song. That is my favorite <laughs> song, actually. That moment is my favorite. That is my favorite moment. Never did I think I would just walk around in like my life just singing the name of the richest man in the world over and over again. But I've been doing it. I've... <laughs> I'm not even kidding when I'm saying this. I've I've walked around the house and many times I've just been yelling out Jeff Bezos. I haven't yeah. sung it, but I love to just walk around the house and say dumb stuff like that. So it was so my alley. Congratulations. <laughs> and that, that sock puppet is stuck between somewhere not dead, not alive. I mean, uh, it's so oh good. So, so good. good. All right. So obviously we love Bo Burns inside. You guys, you all should check it out. Uh, currently in theaters, but available on VOD, the birthday cake. This cast is insane. Val Kilmer, Lorraine Bracco, Ewan McGregor. Um, who am I missing? It's a, it's like kind of like a soft mob film about a young guy. Like he's delivering this present to his uncle, who's in the uh, Italian mafia in New York, and it's definitely more of a character piece in, instead of this epic scope mob movie. But I dug it. I really liked it. The lead actor was amazing. He carried the whole thing. He's somebody I have never heard of before. I think he's been in a couple TV shows, but he's really good. Hmm. Um, and Val Kilmer showed up, and he's got his Whoa. you know neck piece, yeah. and he's uh, like the mob boss. It's really good. It's really good. yeah. The dude like can't talk, can't do anything, but he's really good in it. <laughs> he's really good. Like, yeah, I, got to, I had to give it up for him. I like the picture. I hope it gets a little bit more uh, fanfare out there. You know, I talked about. The, the McPherson tape. Did you get a chance to see it on Shutter, Travis? No, I haven't. I haven't watched it. I read your watched review it. on it. Yeah, some uh, of the we, best we, found footage I've seen and since Blair Witch. Yeah, guys, uh, we do have an Instagram account. Please follow us at Cinema Nine on Instagram. Uh, we put up reviews. Eric put up two reviews yesterday, and we, you know, other things. Wow. So check that out. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, I also dug Censor, the the new horror horror drama that's getting a ton of of buzz. I, I like the film a lot. It's on VOD too. If you don't want to catch it in theaters currently, so that's about it for me. All right, Mike, you want to go next, or you want me to go next? I'll go next. Is it my go turn? For it. Yeah. Well, You're we the were boss doing, today, I man. Right. I didn't go first, so you you, you go ahead and well, go. Right out, dog. We'll do things. We'll do things backwards I, today. I am sorry, Massa. You be the boss man now. That's from Glory, by the way. A white man says that. I don't know if that's racist, but he's trying to reenact a black man slave. It's fucking yeah. weird. I don't know. If I, I, I wouldn't walk now. around. Re- wouldn't walk around repeating it like on a podcast. Yeah, it was always weird. It was always weird to me. I was like, why is this happening? Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Carrie Elways. Uh, by the way, I watched a movie with Carrie Elways in it, and I watched a movie with Val Kilmer in it this week. <laughs> Inside was funny. And inside is hilarious, but really right next to it. I mean, I had a lot of laughs this last seven days. That's why I got this big, stupid grin on my face. It was so funny. MacGruber is so funny. It is a hilarious really? romp. Oh my God. This uh, I Yes, the movie, the movie. Yes, the movie with yeah. Will Forte. Will Forte is hilarious. I, I, like can't, Will Forte. I can't weigh in. Yeah. I really want to strongly recommend. I mean, it's a farce. 
It's a farce on shoot 'em ups and the '80s action hero. It's obviously MacGyver, MacGruber was a ripoff of that. Ryan Felipe plays the straight man, and Powers Booth is a straight man. He's like the general in the Rambo series to Will Forte, and of course, Kristen Wiggs, his other sidekick. It's a great cast. It's so funny. I texted Steve Guile, old friend of the show, that this is something we should be quoting regularly. And he's like, dude, it sounds like a feast watch. And I'm like, yes, this is absolutely should be top of the list feast watch. Just as like, because we usually watch ridiculous, stupid movies at the feast. It's just a running thing. Roadhouse. Uh, People that don't know us, uh, once a year we get together at this event. We call it a feast. We get shit face for three days and watch dumb movies or great movies, but you know, mo- but like weird movies. So we've, that, that sounds like a good one. Yeah, we've changed. It seems like we've just watched stupid movies these days. We just watched yeah. Mandy and RoboCop. Let's just be honest. And, and Roadhouse. <laughs> Ma- Mandy, RoboCop, and Roadhouse oh God, is pretty much all on. we really watch. Why does Mandy weigh into that? Oh, I don't know, man. It's, like, it's, a, it's a great watch when wow. you're just buzzed up with like a room, like a 20 fucking wasted men. It's all right. <laughs> Angela, I never saw Mandy until they played at the feast last time. And I was like, what the? I was like sitting there forever. I couldn't leave because it was so bizarre. I had to find it's out intense. what happened next. It's it is intense. It's Portland. to switch things up from the comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, like, okay, MacGruber, Roadhouse, those make sense. Oh, those Tim and Eric's out. awesome show. We always watch Tim and Eric's awesome show. Or yep. the Million Dollar Movie. We watched and we watched Toxic movie. Avenger last time. That was okay. hilarious. Those yeah, all make sense. One. Mandy? Yeah. Straight yeah. like yeah. horror. Well, Aaron, <laughs> was, Aaron was pushing no, that. No, that was me. That was me. That was all. Oh, that was you. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was me. Kudos to you on that. But MacGruber is a really funny movie. Please watch it if you can find it. It's rated R, though. It's a very hard R, too. So I want to make that clear. Not for the children. <laughs> uh, yeah, the but Val Kilmer's in it. He plays the lead bad guy. But this is before. Yes. This is 2010. So he doesn't have the unfortunate occurrence that happened well, to him. It's nice to bad, see him. He's the bad guy these days. Seems. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's nice to see him like one for the road before things went south. And he's great in it, too. Simple, but solid. And then the uh, other movie, uh, Liar Liar, that's a Carrie Always movie. I hadn't watched it in a while. Threw on some Liar Liar. Still laughed. So funny. Yes. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> I, I was actually thinking about the fact that, you know, more tyranny and him, they end up together at the end. That kind of bothered me more this time. First time ever, which is just pointless. It doesn't more, matter. Wait, more tyranny and Carrie Always end up together? Oh, no. Uh, that Jim Carrey and more tyranny end up together. Oh, the yeah. So. That she probably was better off with Carrie Always. I mean, it was a fantasy movie anyway, so yeah. I guess why not? I mean, why not have a fantastical, ridiculous ending where that would never happen? Yes. Uh, I've had better. I've had better? <laughs> I better. Uh, I, did a tr- I was thinking of Eric for some reason. and uh, <laughs> For some fucking reason. Uh, I'm sure it was just, uh, I was thinking of his 2000. We are friends. <laughs> oh, we, after all, we are friends. I was thinking of your uh, Halloween costume when you played uh, Tom Cruise from Collateral. So I fired up Collateral. Amazing. I was like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I it it reminded me that you don't like Michael Mann all that much. All that much. But you're a huge Tom Cruise fan. So that's probably why you like that movie more than anything, right? Love Michael Mann. Thief, his crowning achievement, of course. He Yeah, but before you saw Thief, you didn't feel that way. You were let. We have footage from this show saying where you're saying, like, well, you know. Michael Mann. And... Yeah, all right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Travis, can you back me up on this? Did that happen? I was there. I saw it. He reached up with his dead hand and he signed it in his own blood. Thank you. But when he right, he watched Thief. It changed. And that's good. I'm happy that you're growing. If anything, this show makes people grow in a way. That's pretty cool. I sure. It's exciting. Sure it is. But uh, yeah, Collateral is okay. I didn't think it was that great. Uh, I watched uh, Mud. I had only seen it one time when it first came out. 
and you know the McConaughey movies. I'm still finishing yeah. up a few of those. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's that great, to be honest with you. I think <gasps> it's overrated. Yeah, I know. I liked it when it first came out, and it was well it's received. It's good, but I thought it was a little overhyped because I watched it recently and thought like, okay, that's good, but everyone's acting like it was like it's one of the upper echelon McConaughey's. And I just thought he could have done it in his sleep. Yes. Yes, exactly. And it's got the guy from Ready Player One, that kid. He, you know, he was actually really good in that. I'll give him that. Uh, and, well, it's got Sam Shepard in it, and that's really nice. I wish there was more Sam Shepard in it. There was, yeah, it was one of the final Sam Shepard roles, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, you guys know this. We cover this. Uh, we, I watch Mermaids with you. You fired up Mermaids. <laughs> yes, we watch Mermaids together. <laughs> the the share like, film from what 1989 we basically <laughs> live tweeted that to or live texted that to one another we did, um, we did. in the year of our lord 2021 all right yeah. but guys it's not good turns yeah, out we, it wasn't good yeah. <laughs> okay I'm it's like, not good come on i mean you think it's gonna be good because how could you go wrong it was not good bob hoskins share we don't right yeah. you're right christina, christina ricci, ricci? yes <laughs> Pretty bland. Yeah, yeah, got it. Very bland. No one's yeah. no one's gonna defend mermaids on the show. I don't think. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, honestly, why Ryder Ryder bug the fuck out of me in that movie too? Yeah. I gotta tell you, she just bugged Not the possible. fucking shit out of me. Just shut up with all the inner monologue. Just yeah. shut off the you know, I fuck fucking. That's like I like I can handle some like you know some voiceover shit. I'm not as bad as like it doesn't bother me as much as you, Mike. But man, this movie is just like shut up, shut up. Where the, where the hard <laughs> s's happening. Are you getting upset with her asses? In the no, it was just like just beating this fucking drum of like misunderstanding Catholicism. Uh, yeah. He's yeah. right. Yeah, it was, it was bad. bad. It was. And Bob Hoskins, you're right. It was like bland Bob Hoskins. I mean, he was actually the fun part of the movie, frankly. And I'm not being biased. He was. He was the best part. Bob Hoskins yeah. is always a joy. Uh, I I try I tried to watch <laughs> Running with Scissors. Remember, this came out in 2006. It was supposed oh, yeah. to be. With, I read that Bob, book, but never saw the movie. Was it good? I turned it off. I couldn't stand oh, it. Oh shit! It's, it's a good. You got Annette Benning and Alec Baldwin are the parents of this guy who wrote. It's based on his experience, right? The book yeah. that you're talking about. It's un. Uh, it's irredeemable. There's, and Brian Cox plays this therapist guy who shows up and he starts talking about his dumps and uh, Annette Benning's oh, bowel movements. I did watch it. Yeah, you're right. It was such a bad movie. You're right. I did watch it. I forgot about hey, that. The bowel movements got him. Yeah. That, he, he, now well, Brian remember. Cox like is a is a <laughs> shitting psychiatrist. Yeah, this sounds horrible. It, it is. <laughs> Brian Cox is on a roll trying to play therapist back to back years with Zodiac and this movie. I don't know why that happened, but movie's trash. It's real bad. Uh, and then I'll, I'll close it out with uh, I watched Don John. Hadn't seen it since it came out. Yeah. It's a great movie. Really like Don John a lot. It's an honest tale, beautiful storytelling. Well done. I, I'd like to see more directions from uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. I think it would be worthy. But the movie that I didn't know I was absorbing until after the fact was A Million Little Pieces. Now, some of you might remember A Million Little Pieces was a book yeah. that ended up. Con yeah, you remember this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a liar. No yeah. liar. Yeah. So a Oprah story? recommended his book in 2006 yeah. for her book club in her early stages. Back then, it was a huge thing, right? Oprah book club. Oh my big God. time. Big time. Yeah. And have he her lied. To have yeah. her stamp on your book. And he lied. It was a memoir about a, you know, a drug abuse, but it was bullshit. So he admitted it, and she tongue-lashed him on her show. But for some reason, they decided to make a movie about this in <laughs> 2018, Dude. a couple of years ago. What the fuck? 
this is uh you know they did the same thing with the guy that claimed that he invented the flaming hot cheetos or whatever like they know that the guy didn't fucking do it and they're still going ahead and making the movie about him coming up with it like what the fuck just because he said it a bunch and it was uh, i mean people tweeted it they're gonna watch the movie about because they don't care about the truth yes that's that's the answer I knew yeah, this it's not even be inspired by a true story. It's like they're, they're, keep true story off of this flaming hot Cheetos movie. It's, just get out of here with it. Wow, you I guys are passionate her. about your flaming hot Cheetos. I fucking well, hate that know. shit, but I, I hate lies even more. Yeah, historical <laughs> historical movies already can be problematic, as we all know. But this, I mean, this is just ridiculous. But the thing is, is I didn't know it didn't register me when I started the movie that a million little pieces was the a million little pieces book. I just forgot. I completely forgot. So I watched this movie freshly as a movie, and it's Aaron Taylor Johnson, the star, and it's done by his wife at the time, which Travis filled me in on their uh, current situation, which is not so great, unfortunately. Sam Johnson I mean, was much I older. I don't know them personally, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, he doesn't, but it, it kind of felt like he almost did. Yeah, and I'm telling you. I read an article but, once. Who, do, who the fuck am I? But it's got Giovanni Ribisi in it. It's got Billy Bob Thornton in it. And so you're like, wow, we got some nice character pieces in here. And it's basically takes place entirely in a rehab facility. Also, uh, Charlie Hunnam, the guy from uh, Sons of Anarchy. And Hunnam, I think. Maybe. Hunnam, Hunnam. I don't, know. Know. I don't know either. But I watched it without knowing that it was fake. And frankly, as somebody who experienced this stuff, I mean, it. It really hit me hard, and, and to find out after the fact, like I, I sent pictures, I sent the standard crying pic. I only cried once in the last seven days. So. I saw that, Eric. Show yeah, me. good, please. Yeah, I want he more shows people me to when see. You guys send those pictures. That's why we do it. It's dude, funny, dude, but it's also like, like a commentary on men who don't feel feelings. It's weird. We're meta. We're very meta in that text. Do the, does the audience know about this? We've talked yeah. about. We never showed any of the pictures. Though. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think we've ever actually shown the audience a picture, but we've talked about it. Yeah, he's right. I feel like you guys need to post those. Yes. At any rate, uh, the movie made me feel a lot of things, and I I got very emotional about it because it reminded me of some of my own experiences. Then I found out after the fact it was that stupid book, and I didn't. I don't know how to feel to this moment. I really don't know how to feel right now, but it it did affect me in a way. So it happened. Wow. All right. You feel manipulated. I always feel manipulated when I watch a movie and feel an emotion regardless. I, I, I'm all, I'm all handing over my manipulation pass. Like, all right, you're going to manipulate me. I'm going to get two hours. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. So that's what you watched? No no major recommendations? Nah. Didn't I? Right. No. Well, I inside. I guess Bo Burnham's yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, without yeah, a doubt. Be, be without a doubt. All right. <laughs> uh, I also watched movies. We, we kind of trashed... Um, Anthony Hopkins magic uh, last week a little bit, but I'd never seen it. So I figured I better watch it. You know, Richard Attenborough did this between uh, a bridge too far and fucking Gandhi. So I watched it. Eric, have you seen this movie? Yeah, I brought it up. I said, I loved it. It, Oh, I didn't catch. I I made a joke. I, you loved it. I I fucking hated it. I hated it. I couldn't, but like, I couldn't believe some of the things that were happening in this movie. In fact, I don't know if you guys still wanted to do this, but we were talking about most embarrassing roles. I wrote this role down for Anthony Hopkins because, like, this is an like he's really going for it. He's 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 giving it his all, but the fucking material is embarrassing, and you know what scene I'm talking about with Burgess Meredith in particular. Um, yeah, he's nodding for those that can't see. Um, I also watched uh, The Blob from 1958, Ooh. which I had I had actually seen before, but it had been since I was a little kid. 
It's fucking awesome. It's so good. There's a reason why people the blob is so scary because it's so fucking like creepy and stealthy when it's small, and then like you don't know when it's <laughs> when it's on you. But by the time and nobody believes you when you're trying to like tell them about it, but then by the time they could believe you, it's too fucking big and it, to, to to contend with. So I really enjoyed the oh. blob. Um, I watched the Ice Road with Eric. Uh, we we kind of <laughs> we didn't watch that. We kind of <laughs> taxed each other with that one. Did you know that was written and directed by the guy who wrote The Saint? Oh wow. no! Yeah, yeah, that explains a lot, doesn't it? <sighs> yeah, he's he's I get now he's shaking his head. He's not really using his words. I, dude, it, I so. turned the Ice Road off after the credits like crumbled into ice. I was like, I can't do this right now. Oh, I watched so the no whole idea. damn thing. <laughs> the worst movie uh, I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I'm not going back. I loved I loved Cold Pursuit so much. I was hoping for something similar again, um, uh, but it was nothing nothing like Cold Pursuit. By I the watched, way, our, uh, I'll tell you real quick. Our friend Corey also watched that movie this week, so everyone's watching that movie this week. Right? Yeah, it was number one on Netflix the day it came out because people the people like Liam Neeson, but man, it was not good. There there was one good scene with Lawrence Fishburne. I'll give it that, um, but other than that, it wasn't great. I was um, happy to see Lair in something, but. Too bad oh. it wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> um, I watched uh Mike, I think you might be interested in this one. I, I the what's the guy's name? Trey Trey something Schultz, the guy that did waves, and oh. um he also did uh It Comes at Night. I watched his first movie called Cresha. Uh this was brutal. It's a quick and dirty 85 minutes uh about a a, a, a woman that's in recovery in her 60s. Uh, and she comes home to her like a strange family reunion for Thanksgiving to like see like the son that she abandoned and they're like taken care of. And it's her first time like trying to prove it to everybody that she's got her shit together. And she has a fucking relapse and it's a true story. And and Trey is playing like him fucking self. And they're like and like that's his real aunt. And like they're playing like relatives of theirs. It's so and it's so like a lot of it's like really like uh, improv, incredibly raw. And I learned that this guy Schultz or yeah i think his name is schultz he, he yeah he, schultz trey edward schultz edward schultz yeah he uh he worked for malik for a while i'm like that makes a lot of sense like watching this movie in particular i i really liked it i think you would like it too uh but but it is heavy as fuck um so Krisha k-r-i-s-h-a was was worth seeing yeah, uh, yeah it was a, real quick it, it was a short night. yeah it started yeah. off well st- he did a short then he then he then yeah. he did it uh yeah he came back and you know, just for the audience not to get, get confused yeah, he used that to get the money to do a, a larger version of that. Um, so, so now I've seen all of his movies, and, and they're all bangers, man. Even even uh, It Comes at Night, which I wasn't that crazy about, is beautifully shot. So, um, Loved it. Bangers and Mash? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watched... You Frank know what? And Bash? I've got I've got a, I've got a I've got a couple movies still to recommend here. I watched the battery, like which apparently is a baseball term, right? Like it's a pitcher in the. Is this true? Yeah, it's a the so it's, in the it's, catcher. They're the battery together. Mumblecore zombie feature. Um, a really low budget independent like comedy drama thing. Like just about like these two guys who are like it's post apocalypse. You, you barely see any zombies in the, throughout most of the movie, and they're just getting on each other's fucking nerves because they're like they're the only two people left in the world with one another. Uh, and it gets a little, you know, there are moments where I'm like, okay, enough with the indie soundtrack. But like, um, man, by the time it ends, this is a unique picture in the zombie genre. Like, there's only so many ways to do this. Uh, but like, there's so many zombie movies where it's just like you're, you know, you're watching like someone's like 
this is one of the survivors. Like, this is going to be Rick Grimes. This is going to be like George Washington. And they're going to be able to talk about like how the, how, you know, they, you know, how Woody Harrelson and so and so cross, you know what I mean? It always seems like they're going to survive forever. And that's like, not, this is like, this is not exactly that. Not, no spoilers, because honestly, no spoilers. But like, you don't, you definitely don't get the sense that these guys are like in the right place and like well suited for their environment. Um, it was good. It was good. The battery. Uh, I watched Child's Play from 2019. Uh, you guys, this was fucking awesome. I dug it. It, it was so good. Um, you know, as far as a reboot goes, like it was, it was very updated, right? Like, it, like it was relevant, and it says all these things about not just technology, but like also about like toxic relationships and like class and like how technology works in class and like capitalism and stuff. It was. Want another one? I thought it was really good. That's you not like what do? you want out of a horror movie. It's like uh, you know, you want the demon and the doll. That's all you want. Uh, no subtext, right? Wow. We watch we watch <laughs> horror for very different reasons, Ange. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, 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 mean, I do want the demon and the doll. Don't get me wrong, but I want that other stuff too. Go ahead, Eric. This, this guy it's wasn't it's, scary to me. It's a reboot. They they remade Fred Nightmare on Elm Street. They remade Friday the Thirteenth. They remade Texas Chainsaw. Yes, they remade what I consider a complete classic, Love Child's Play, 1987. Yeah, yeah. But at Tom least Holland. they did something different. Right, right. This was unique, and uh, like it, like it, it was, it, it had the spirit of the original with, while still being very much its own. I, I truly enjoyed it. There were some things where I'm like, you know, who would make these choices? But it's a horror movie. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a hard uh, time with remakes. I appreciate yeah, I, your opinion, though. I, I, I just, I have a hard time. Most of the time, I hate a remake. Go ahead. <laughs> my, uh, my last, my last film, which is going to be my main recommendation for the week, is a really great Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo feature that I watched. <laughs> joke right from 1988 uh this is one of the recommendations i got from one of the um uh in search of darkness documentaries um recommended this dead heat the the this is a fucking good movie i mean it's campy as shit this is like put on when put it on late at night when you're not entirely in your senses um but uh you got a the premise is like your classic 90s like one cop is in a suit. One cop's got a mullet. There's an angry black uh, chief with a mustache. Like it's so like it's like super tropey. But then the the twist is that you've got um, zombies, and they can like there's a, a way to turn bring people back to life for like 12 hours after they've been killed, and a, one of the cops gets murdered, and so they bring him back to solve his own crime, like his own murder, and it's actually like. I mean, it's pretty fucking good. As far as you got Vincent Price in this thing, um, you've got uh, Darren McGavin. Uh, it was, it, I honestly really enjoyed Dead Heat. Uh, so I, that would be my main recommendation. You, for you, the week. you didn't mean Joe Panagliano. You seriously meant Joe Fucking Piscopo? Joe Piscopo, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you get what you expect with Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo in an 80s cop movie. Like, go in like, expecting what you're expecting you know what i mean like i'm not saying it's gonna be oh it's like manhunter no it's not fucking manhunter uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah it was good by the way uh imdb has like completely changed their website it's really bothering me i don't and i don't care for it i noticed i saw that yeah this is uh dead no, heat. i don't like it joe piscopo i saw joe piscopo in uh, sidekicks that was fun i know i thought of you when i watched the movie because we had talked piscopo on the show before <laughs> uh, was he ever funny at any moment? People ever? talk. I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, they do. No. 
and I, he's not even like and the only way he's funny in this is because like you know he's trying to be funny but that but it's just like you know what i mean you're laughing like you're, at him right you're never you're laughing all, with but you're him. not like it's it, i mean like but you're also not like I, it's not like i'm not saying this is only like ironically good no it's it's uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> you, ever, you ever see the clip when like he tries to do the Letterman in front of Letterman, and Letterman's clearly like, "Fuck you, you prick! Get the hell out of here! You're not funny." Aww. What? I like. I think that's a Piscopo's new. That's a game. that's a new quote though. So I was talking Piscopo. <laughs> as, as you do. Did you guys want to talk about embarrassing roles more? Or, uh, do we actually want to do that? Because I mean, I, I assembled a couple people, but I don't no, know. we got to do that for another episode. Because we'll I'm do not that prepared. another episode. Hoskins right. says Mario says it all. I mean, come on. Oh, come on. That's I, I obvious. That That's too bad. obvious. <laughs> wow. Boring. Right, well, Boring. There was talk of actually bringing back a segment, but we're not going to do that. We, we are going. We to will do in the future. Right. We will in the future. What we will do instead is get right into. A life less ordinary. Mike, you look like a guy whose partner left him for an aerobics instructor. You got that air about you. Yeah, I do, don't I? <laughs> I look like that guy. Yeah, don't worry. It'll all work out for me in the end. <laughs> all right. Good afternoon. Hi. I'm Todd Johnson. I live up the hill. That's nice. I see most things from up there saw you arrive big car middle of the night right wondered who's that it's a perfectly natural question so i asked felix 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 is my friend he hasn't been the same since the war of course i asked him i said felix tell me are they good or are they evil one bark for good, two for evil. Oh, Felix is a dog. Do you think that I would talk to a dog? Do you think that I would ask a dog whether or not you're good or evil? What do you think I am? Some kind of a crazy backwards lunatic with a barn full of human skulls and a scythe that I sharpen every day in readiness for Armageddon? Oh, no, no, I'm sure you're just a regular kind of guy. Right, I'm regular. I am a regular man. I would. That's not the point. The point is, who are you? Who are you? Well, uh, I'm. We're newlyweds. Are you coming back to bed soon, darling? This is Mr. Johnson there. Hello. Pleased to meet you, ma'am. You can call me Lucille. It's my pleasure, Lucille. You're not from the newspapers, are you? No, I live up the hill. <laughs> but you can't tell the newspapers we're here. They never leave us alone on account of Richie. Richie? You recognize Richie, don't you? Richie Vanderlo? Six gold albums, three platinum, 14 consecutive top 10 singles, largest selling artists worldwide for the last 12 months. Richie Vanderloo. You have got to understand, ma'am, I watch mainly the biblical channels. It's okay. We were married in secret, in a castle in Scotland, as in England, near Paris. Paris. Right. <laughs> It was so romantic. We stayed there for our honeymoon, but it wasn't long enough, so we came here for the sake of a little 
privacy. Mm. I see. And you picked this. I'm still hosting, Mike. You can actually you can you can host or you can take the hosting yeah, range. So. All right, and you picked this. <laughs> I did. Uh, tell us uh, why did you pick this, and tell us about you know. You, do you remember when you first watched it and how you felt about it? All that jazz. Yeah, I picked it because I haven't seen it in probably 15 years, and so I I honestly wondered if it if it held up. I used to watch it a lot in high school. Uh, I remember I was at my friend Julie Goldsmith's house. She showed it to me for the first time. Everyone had a big crush on Ewan McGregor after this movie and train spotting. It was a thing. Everyone had a big crush on Julie Goldsmith, too, so that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, Travis, that might have been you. But uh, (laughs) we all know about that crush. Uh, (laughs) So anyway, Ewan McGregor, everybody had a crush on him, and... um, she did. And she was like, we got to see this movie. And um, I just remember watching it and all the little, all the little funny quotes were what kept me interested in it. And just how he's so panicked the whole time. <laughs> he's just distraught the entire movie. Um, but as you know, I think, I think the one liners are really what what I remember about it on the rewatch, but I won't uh, get into that yet as I know you guys don't do, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I loved the movie um, back in the day and I thought, you know, it was a, it was a great romantic comedy. Um, the cast was amazing. I love anything basically with Holly Hunter in it. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I got nothing else. It was just, it was just good in high okay. school. I, I think it was a, I, I think it was a good choice for the show. Yeah. Um, I, I do. Uh, Eric, do you remember you when you first watched it? Yeah, it was a couple. It was last week. I'd never seen the film. <laughs> I've got like oh. a, I got kind of like a like hate relationship with Ewan McGregor, so I wasn't upset that this was the pick because when he's using like his regular Scottish accent, I actually quite like him. Like I love Shallow Grave. I think that's a yeah. fucking masterpiece. I think it's Danny awesome. Boyle's best film, and he was great as Mark Renton. Uh, but like whenever he tries to play an American, I think he is the most boring actor in Hollywood, period. So I, I, I stayed away from it for reasons. But uh, yeah, this was the first time for me, Mike. Well, the uh, negotiations were short. I'll tell you this. Um, he is a good actor and he deserves a praise. He's played Mark Renton twice, by the way, which is fun. And Danny Boyle is hit or miss, though. Danny Boyle can be an elite director and you know you you think a name like that he's a he's a big name i feel like danny boyle is an elite hey i know that guy even people who are not even massive movie fans like hey danny boyle he's a guy did train spotty he's a guy did scum dog boo you you know scum dog scum dog american classic Oh, bouillon cubes. Man, I cannot believe I used to eat bouillon cubes when I was a kid. I would just suck on them. It's so gross. So salty. So salty. Um, yeah, I watched this movie. You know, it's not. But when you're, you know, Travis, you've yeah. been in my house when I was a kid. There was not a lot of food there. It was always mac and cheese. Nothing I mean, like, else. It was like, hey, do you like tap water? Hmm? How about some tap water? <laughs> oh, by the way, I really laughed a lot when uh, we mentioned the clown's house and Travis said there was nothing ever to eat. That. that was such an astute observation. There, you're right. 
You're right. There was nothing no ever food. there. Barren, barren cupboards, empty food. <laughs> She was she was a healthy sized woman and there was never anything. I there. wasn't even trying to go there. I mean, I know you weren't, but I'm just, just making that like, connection. Like yeah. there had to be food somewhere. It's just how it works. I know. All right. Anyways, this movie Stop I watched Bullion Cubes. Yeah, maybe eight months ago was it? Six or eight months ago, I watched this movie for the first, for the time, first time. So oh, okay. yeah. So when I talked about it on the show, I, I think I was a bit harsh on the film. I still thought it was entertaining. So you know, I watched it again with a fresh perspective. I didn't have to going to happen next not edge of my seat and uh, we'll talk about that more but uh right. i that was my first watch was a little while ago hmm. well i guess i'm the only one that you know that there was like a true does it hold up then because i like <laughs> 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 oh sudden burst of Reba? melissa Etheridge, man. why do you know my govier i mean there's always katie lang or someone about to pop out <laughs> um yeah so i i grew up with this movie too i had a box copy of this film at my house like i i liked it enough to buy it and like watch it over and over again and i tell you i couldn't remember a fucking thing about this movie when i sat down last night to watch it i was like i remember that delroy lindo and holly hunter are angels and that was literally it like I, i i barely remember that cameron diaz was in the film um, which it's funny because this was like really early for her. This was one of her big uh, breakout roles. But I watched this movie when it came out because I mean, like Danny Boyle was one of those guys. I was I was just starting to get to the age where I was like, you know, I am I'm serious about film. You know, I was just starting to think, you know, so he he'd done Shallow Grave and he'd done uh, Train Spotting. So like this was the follow up. So I, I saw it as soon. I don't think it even. I don't even know if it, if it went through theaters. I don't think it came through like Brighton, Michigan's theaters. Um, but remember. yeah, I don't think it did. But I caught it as soon as it came out on video and loved it. And then ha- and then have not watched it or thought about it at all until like until this show. And it has been one that like I was thinking about choosing as well. Hmm. So good call, Ange. Yeah. Uh, I I will take over briefly here just because I always do this. I all mean. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so the IMDb score, I don't know what it is. I'm going to guess that it's a 6.7. It's likable, but not legendary. What do you guys think? Anybody? I, I don't know either. Is anybody, did I have anybody checked? Eric, you check? All right. No, I'm going to say maybe 6.4, 6.5 maybe. Ange, you got a guess? You're you're muted, Ange. I'm going to guess, right, I'm I guess 6.5. <laughs> I'm going to guess you know, healthy is... middle. You got it, Mike? 6.4. Very close. Right. Wow. You are. Travis always on the pulse of the nation when it comes to. Uh, no, you know. I'm usually dead wrong with these things. I'm always under guessing. What are you talking about? Yes, yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we should have somebody go back and like do it. Every one of the, mo- the episodes we've done, find out how many times somebody was closer than Knox. Because I yeah, don't really anyone, know the truth of that. Any unpaid interns that want to work for the show and go through the archives of our collection. We're also looking for a graphic artist to fix our, our shitty logo. Our VHS collection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of songs about blue collar jobs in the past, but I felt there needed to be a song about the exploitation of labor in the modern world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Life Less Ordinary gets 41% from the critics. 41, Ange. Is that not kind? That's not kind. That's harsh. But- yeah, it's a little harsh, I feel like. But, you know, I have new opinions about it. So. Okay. 59% from the audience score. So that's a tipped over bucket of popcorn in case you're wondering. 
<laughs> somewhat of a gap, though, between the two. Critics-wise, well, uh, Mike Clark of USA Today said, lovely to look at, a semi-chore to sit through. This flick could have used an extra blast of pixie dust? What? An extra blast of pixie dust. This guy got paid for that. I feel like it already has plenty of pixie dust. If yeah, if anything, there might be an, an excess of pixie dust in this movie. There might be. By the way, there's also there's only two pages of reviews, which is by far at least tied for the lowest we've ever had for a film. Huh. Uh, Roger Ebert was still alive, though. He said the plot's a mess. The characters flail about in scenes without points. And the more we see of Cameron Diaz and Ewan McGregor, the more we yearn for a nice, simple little love story. Mm. Yeah, God bless Roger Ebert. I think that's totally fair. Like. The movie even jokes about how uh, Robert writes these trash novels that are super obvious. And for me, like, I like the chemistry of uh, Ewan McGregor and Cameron Diaz, but I just wished it was just trash, standard romantic comedy. I would have liked it better. Ooh, okay. So you're kind of on board with that. Uh, here's one. This is from Scott Weinberg of eFilmCritic.com. A failed experiment for hardcore fans only. <laughs> <laughs> Does that oh, tell you a lot about that? Not pulling <laughs> like, any punches. Yeah, but seriously, like, you, you got paid for that? Like, that's, <laughs> that's not a review. Let me close it up. It's yeah, I know. That's how uh, he clearly right. really felt. <laughs> it tells us nothing. You're right. I'll uh, close it out with this one. Uh, this is from Frederick and Mary Ann Brusat from Spirituality and Practice. I don't know if you ever read Spirituality right. and Practice. Um a madcap comedy. A madcap comedy about soulmates, period. There you go. <laughs> That's a these border. are the worst. Uh, okay, <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to our bad. own reviews. No Destin Thompson, right. a lot of bad, no, yeah. Well, yeah. clearly there's no Destin. We would have already been saying his praised name. Um, let's uh, let's review it ourselves, then. Let's 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 do it ourselves. Where where to begin? Um there is a rockin' rollicking soundtrack going through this thing that definitely got the sense that like there like there's a, a, a album released, you know, a, a soundtrack release, but I don't remember there being like a soundtrack for this. Do you guys remember that? Uh, there probably was, but I, I don't remember. It was just it was one of those uh, '90s soundtracks that made the movie kind of like kind of made the movie rewatchable so many <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a heavy soundtrack. The score itself, holy shit! Lord save us from '90s persistent techno scores. Like there's there's a there's a chase or whatever. Just just like the same fucking like all of a sudden it's like house music, just yeah. like nonstop. Like it was probably was a lot of that. Brothers or something. Yeah, it was not that good. <laughs> the Dust Brothers, uh, maybe <laughs> some brother, some brotherly crew, some yeah. sort of brotherly something. Some yeah, yeah. So that was it's pretty bland, but it, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm sure that there's fans out there of this soundtrack. Oh, dude, yeah, the Lifeless Ordinary soundtrack. Let's fire that up. Yeah, well, the, well, not the, me. Like the, the songs, the REM on there, there's some okay songs, um, but like, yeah, the score I hated. Yeah, it's just overstuffed. It's like, um, yeah, I don't know if it's because it's the late 90s, but it's just like this, like, attention span, short attention span theater type ADD soundtrack. Like, we don't need it. Like, I can dig like a Howard Hawks screwball comedy. You don't have to convince me uh -huh. that it's hip by putting all this dumb music on everything. It's, it's absolutely because it's the the late nineties. 
Yeah. It feels <laughs> yeah, very you got, uh, let's see, do you know any of these? You got Diana Ross and those Preems is on this. I know them. Yeah, Sneaker for... Pimps. Not more 90s. Sneaker Pimps. Elastica. Very 90s. Oh, well, Elastica. I love Elastica. Yeah, that one song was fun. Um, yeah, so yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's a lot of weird. Actually, it's a weird mix. You have the Shirelles. In, so it's like 60s and 90s soundtrack wise. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of like um, fantasy stuff, obviously the big karaoke scene, because this came out the same year as My Best Friend's Wedding, and, and clearly Cameron Diaz wanted to prove people, hey, y'all, I can truly do karaoke. Danny, can we put a whole extended karaoke scene? I was scene? thinking the same thing. Like, she she couldn't sing in either movie. I'm like, why? why well, I thought you sang fine in this. I like that it's both their voices. It's clearly, yeah. it's clearly them singing. I yeah. did like that. Yeah, sure. late '90s karaoke movies. Remember duets with fucking Gwyneth Paltrow and yeah, oh, Huey Lewis in that. <laughs> That's a great movie. Yeah, done by his. Uh, Is it her father? Right? Isn't that her father who directed that? What's his face? Jeff Paltrow. I do not remember Bruce Paltrow. Well, oh, her <laughs> mom really? is Bli her mom is Blight Danner, so we know that yeah, whoever Blight Danner was married to. So I don't know. Anyways, yeah, Blythe who fucking Danner's, cares about duets? Blight Danner's husband. Yes, <laughs> that, there's a lot of. I want to talk. Can we talk about? Uh, I think we covered the soundtracks there, right? Can we talk about the uh, first off the fact that Ian Holmes in this movie and the relationship he has going on here? Uh, it's really weird, man. Uh, could this movie have been made without him entirely? Anybody? Uh, Which one is Ian Holmes? He's the he's the dad with the mustache. He's the the rich man. Uh, um, so yeah. I don't. I mean, like you needed. I mean. Or is he the plot driver here? Yeah, he's the plot driver, but he doesn't. He's really inconsistent. I feel yeah. um, you're gonna wait six weeks to pay your daughter's ransom when she's a kid, but then she gets older, and you're gonna pay half a like you're gonna like at least put half a million on the line to a couple collection agents who say they're gonna start being <laughs> assassins. I guess. Um, did, did and, he like turn down the FBI and go with another option? Like that's a better question. That I, my, my question is: Does a does the police force exist in this universe other than the security guard at the the one that like shoots once and then like okay I did my part I'm gonna go inside? Um, is there like a there's like there's literally that's it that's the extent of of a police presence in this movie? Well, you have a yeah. Go ahead, Angel. I was just gonna say it's weird because the angels, uh, they really do come in as authority most of the time. So one of my favorite one-liners is, uh, I just I remembered it and I laughed out loud um, when they were pretending to be the collection agency that they were gonna evict them, and Holly Hunter says, "We can do this with violence or without." Well, oh, without, please. <laughs> <laughs> like those stupid lines, but yeah, they're always uh, they're always coming in as what hitmen. They're coming in as uh, FBI types. They're coming in as collectors. Yeah. On a scale of uh, one to ten, how horny did Holly Hunter choose to play this role? Eleven. Like she's like she's literally rubbing like. herself like through the movie and like grinding against the <laughs> pavement. Like she's acting like she's on ecstasy through the whole fucking movie. Like, what is going on, Holly? I love Holly Hunter. I and she's gorgeous in this. I mean, don't I don't have a problem with it. It's just 
not how I, but there's a lot of things these angels are doing, which is not how I'd imagine <laughs> angels would act. Yeah, like, what the fuck's going on, man? <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Danny Explain Boyle, that. what did he do here? Uh, or who led the direction beyond the direction of what they're intentions are how was it edited this way how was it shot this way i guess i'm trying to find out who's exactly to blame the actors are partly responsible but they were probably told to play it this way it was it didn't just happen out of nowhere we never know what the hell they're doing we don't have to know every intention i don't need to have it spoon fed to me but all of their decisions and uh applications of their efforts are just they're off the charts ridiculous, and I don't even know what's happening, and I, I lose interest. I just don't care. I, I don't understand these these bounty hunters. Like, like they very they very nearly kill the participants that they're trying to make fall in love. And right. the two times, in my opinion, maybe even three, that Robert and what's her name actually start falling for each other and have this sweet connection is a the musical number in the karaoke bar which Celine. the angels don't even seem to have anything to do with it's just like a, a visual choice by the director to have it all fantastic and yeah. b um the uh the the poem that doesn't even work out and then c tony shalou probably gives them the best advice out of the whole picture and it has nothing to do with the angels and also, like, why do you need to be talked into chasing her? Like, why do we need a movie where the protagonist needs to be convinced? <laughs> All right, so we're already starting to do the thing. I was a little bit worried might happen with this podcast because my this is my fantasy, or not fantasy, this is my imagination, is like, you know, there's some person out there in the world who's like, you know, get on their on their phone, they're like, oh, I like cinema. I like cinema. I, I hear, like, podcasts. Gonna scroll through. Oh, someone did a podcast about my favorite movie. Let's check it out and hear what they have to say. <laughs> but it's already starting to be pretty clear that like um, there's some issues <laughs> with this film, and we're all wholly aware of it. Am I right? We could <laughs> yeah, just lean into I, it. I think that I still really like. I, I think that review was pretty good because um, I still really like the romantic comedy aspect and mm -hmm. the aspect of. Cameron Diaz trying to, you know, pull one over on her old man. And basically she's directing him on how to, and he's panicked the whole time. And that whole thing I still love. It is what I loved about it yeah. in the first place. But on this watch, it fell apart in the middle. I was like, get out of here, angels. You're boring. Like, it's too much. <laughs> we, don't are, need, yeah. we don't even need that storyline. The movie is long. There's Yo. a good skeleton here, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a, I mean, I'm, I'm not really into, um, like Stockholm syndrome movies personally. And we got yet another movie where a man punches a woman. I'm just going to start like making a whole list. It's like every fucking movie we watch, apparently it's just, it, hey. it's an epidemic. Um, but, um, there, there is some, some good stuff here. Um, I, I, but like, I just feel like the, uh, mostly it's the angels motivations and we kind of already touched on a little bit, but like they, they put them at such risk, their subjects. <laughs> And, like, if they don't get these two people together, they're stuck on Earth, which apparently is a, a bad thing they don't want, right? Um, so, like, they're going to do everything in their power to get them together. It's not clear why they're so important, these two. But that's fine. Um, but, like, it's not even just, like, they're, they're shooting them. Like, when Bo puts uh, – Bo, I'm talking like he's gets Shorty's character. Uh, whatever, oh. whatever the character dude's name. Whenever Delroy Lindo's uh, character puts – Robert, which is Ewan McGregor's character in the grave, like at that point, I'm pretty convinced he really is going to shoot him, right? Like it seems pretty clear <laughs> that he's like, I've waited long enough. 
And like, I guess he was like waiting for, you know, Cameron Diaz in her Barbara Bush haircut to come and save the day, <laughs> which she eventually does. Uh, but I don't know. They just put him at such risk repeatedly. You get an interesting yeah. scene right before that when Delroy Lindo talks about destiny and how even mm -hmm. the angels can disagree with God. So you've got these little seeds there. And it's not that I yeah. dislike the angel characters per se no. it's just they're in the wrong movie if you gave me like three <laughs> like anthology type stories where they're trying to get a few people together and it's it's not as like i don't know anachronistic or whatever or, or even in this particular scenario i would dig it it's just it's it's a mismatch of of horrific proportions I don't know about horrific proportions. Wow. Your husband oh, likes Lord. hyperbole. I mean, it's just too it's there's too many plots going on. Too but many plots. I still enjoy it. I probably wouldn't watch it over and over too again like I used to because it's plots. just so long. Hmm. It's long. It, that whole episode on the road there with the cars and the trying to get the money and it's like I just start fast forward through all that. I'm like this is stupid. It happens like hell. five times. How? Yeah, I know. It just keeps happening. I'm like, why does this keep happening? What's it? Is this like uh, Roadrunner and Coyote shit? I mean, what's going on out here? I think I have a bigger issue where I'm watching a movie and it's supposed to be like okay, there is a criminal element clearly going on, a violent uh, possibility that's always there. But like, you're in it with these like supposedly good natured protagonists. <clears throat> And then you get to the scene where uh, Celine is holding a gun to the head of like a 12 year old girl. And we're just supposed to just really continue on with that. Uh, and then, and then like, uh, they're clearly, but then like, they're really, they're really bad at their, at their job of being bank robbers. Cause they stopped to make out the parking lot on their way to the fucking <laughs> car and get shot for it. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, there's definitely some hijink stuff that's going on here. And like, and, and it has to happen. Cause she's like, like there's no, there's no great way for it to be a love story without her being on board from the start. I mean, shit, she gives him the gun. Right. Right. Like earlier on, which is, you know, she's, she wants things to go South. Yeah. True. I think, I think, yeah, I didn't really notice the 12 year old girl just cause it's so outlandish. The whole movie is so outlandish that it's like, of course they stop in the parking lot and make out like, why wouldn't they? They're horrible <laughs> at everything they do. <laughs> he just screws up everything. And then he's panicked after he gets shot. Like, I, what, you're not taking me to a hospital? I demand you take me to a hospital. <laughs> it's just kind of like all of it. That's why I loved his character back then and now. Like, he just makes me laugh because he's so, so panicked. <laughs> so it's, flustered. Yeah. Is this movie saying that opposites attract? Because there's clearly two different people. You know, they're different... He's supposed to be this romantic, right? He he's so much a lover, and she's like a cold ice queen, kind of. They're, or at least that's how they're playing her off. She's hardcore. She's rough. She's tough. She uses people for money and opportunity. She hates her father. They have an awful relationship. Something happened with the mother, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but in the end, you know, I, Cameron Diaz kicks ass in this movie. I thought she's outstanding. She's funny. She's smart ass. And Ewan is uh, kind of almost annoying in his character. He's like, well, I can't do anything right. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I like his character fine. I, I, the only thing that annoys me about his character is that fucking shirt he's wearing through the whole movie. Like, or the haircut. Don't forget the haircut. The shirt? Yeah, the haircut. <laughs> it's better than Cameron Diaz's haircut. But, oh, I, uh, I love, I love, that I love hair. her hair. Yeah. 
I love that hair she too. Look, she looks like Betty White. She looks but she'll so never awesome. look like Betty White. She does. She does like nobody else could pull that well, hair off. The hair that that's true. For those that are watching, I mean, the hair behind, like the hair she's got going right now, like that's that's a good cut. That, that looks good. But what she's got through much of the movie is very, like, it's very, very business like. <laughs> it's business time, man. Come on. Uh, um, you know what? Why I really is love Stanley Tucci movie? in this movie. <laughs> oh, I have an answer to that. I have a total answer to that. For the bona fides, fucking indie indie bona fides. You take the the two guys from Big Night, him and Tony Shalhoub, and just toss them in your movie. You've got independent film bona fides. <laughs> wow, yeah, right? that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when he just, it just like yeah, he shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, Go when he my... showed up the first time I watched this, I remember I'm like, what? He's back? What? Come on. But I guess it had to make sense because his name was kind of higher in the credits than it would have deserved if he just got whatever, you know, he got shot early on. Now, you know who I uh, really do love in this movie is Maury Chaikin. I am a regular man. <laughs> I, I thought Maury Chaikin was... I mean, but the, the whole uh, thing with the barking friend was too much. But uh, I, did, I do like Maury Chaikin. That was funny. Eric, you clearly agree with me, and I appreciate that. I'm still <laughs> upset about Stanley Tucci being wasted in this film. Like He's a dentist, okay? Oh, and, he like, got, he's, he's a bit he of, got like, paid for... A, a week of work, man. He's fine. Like, he, he, like what? The, the, it's it. My point is, you have these wasted opportunities. Like, okay, he's a wacky like dentist. So, like, instead of just him like snapping pictures of Cameron Diaz and being all like this and that, like, have him have like this weird like teeth fetish that he wants her to do. Some just something other than just this dumb why? nonsense. It's just yeah, I don't know why this guy be. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, I thought I thought he did serve a purpose. I mean, so, it, like. So for one, you you like you and McGregor taking that bullet shows that like one he's got premonition, I guess, um, and two, um, he you know he's willing to take a bullet for her, which is a big deal in their relationship. And then uh, two, you know, you you get the the fact that um, something comes between them because it's got it does follow that traditional trope: boy meets girl, boy gets girl, boy loses girl. Um, and so there's and and he is the vehicle for that so he he kind of like serves this dual function in the in in that role and that he like fixes the the leg because someone's got to and i will give them credit that he like he actually limps through much of the movie he seems like he's in pain a little bit directly after surgery um for being like a fantasy movie and act there's so many movies where people get shot in the in like arm or the leg and they act like it's a paper cut so i was like all right that's something <laughs> i have a question why Okay, how to? I'm not judging any professions at all. I don't. I've done most of them. We prefer but, the term sex worker here for the record. No, not that. Why <laughs> are the only jobs he can get a uh, janitor and mop that floor? Like, what did he do? Why can't he get? The, <laughs> why can't he get other jobs? I don't understand. Like, why yeah. are they making it so? So, like, she's so rich and he's so, uh, he's mopping floors. A better question is, is why are you going to hold a gun to somebody's head for a job where you mop floors? And, like, yeah. also, what kind of idiot <laughs> think going to get the job back? Like, are you going to, I'm going to work for this person after, like, you know, that's not going to work. Why did he care so much about that job? Well, he is also a rock star. You forgot about that. 
Richie no, Vanderloo. That was a lie, wasn't it? Vanderloo. Yeah, it was a lie. It's very <laughs> he has nothing going on for himself. It drives it's home not the uh, <laughs> I like that it drives home the fact that it exists. The movie takes place, you know, clearly in a time before Wikipedia. Like you know, Maury Chicken's character couldn't just be like, oh. Richie Vanderloo, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he can't go look that up. He just has to take him at their at their face value. It makes me think of that uh, your brother Eric uh, Jeff, who would supposedly he he told us back in the day would tell people that he was the drummer for uh, Three Doors Down and like Seven Mary uh, Three and shit Seven like Mary that. Third Eye Blind. Yeah, he would do. He, he no, he actually no, he actually like almost played for them supposedly i don't know if that was that he, he was gonna like uh, audition for them but seven no, he would like three. go to bars he would seven go to bars mary and like be, and like tell people that he played for seven mary three uh, on drums and they, they'd fucking believe it like buy him drinks and shit i thought it was third eye blind <laughs> third there's eye blind a couple stories here okay. yeah. <laughs> all right <laughs> it's fine who cares yeah, the point is made yes yeah. he sold yeah. it it could be sold and you can sell anything in the pre-google era Back with no day. pocket phone available to all of us in any given moment and we're missing those opportunities now which is yeah. kind of a shame you're right that's uh it's kind of sad i didn't think about that at all now i'm hoping to never it's never gonna happen again guys i'm kind of sad how about that it Timothy, uh, the Timothy Oliphant popping in early in his career? Hey! That's kind of fun. All right, woohoo! I love Timothy Oliphant. Eric, you All don't, you do have to say some things. It's you're a yes. host on the podcast. You have making to a lot of faces. Your sometimes you're just making, you're just mugging and not saying anything. <laughs> Comes a point in any film that you set the pen down. So, uh, I set True. the pen down about halfway through this film because I checked out. I just, it's so exhausting. And I like Danny Boyle because usually he's so frenetic and hyperkinetic. But when you have a story that I just, I'm not connecting with at all emotionally because of these characters and circumstances. And when you, you have this exhausting editing, that's why it feels so long. It's probably under two hours, but it feels like three because it's just taught hurling so much shit at you that's not that entertaining, but it's hurling at it at a fast pace. I have information. A, yeah, I I can't disagree. I have an actual. Speaking of like getting a lot of misinformation, I I feel like maybe I just missed this. Maybe you guys can explain it to me because I got confused towards the end. Like, so they're at the location where, uh, when when Ian Holm and the Butler show up and shoot our angels, right? They're at like their base, right? Because that's where they were keeping Cameron Diaz hostage. Correct. Right, and because uh, and their truck is in the background, the the their the truck fair and whatever, like that's so that's their location, that's the angels' hideout yeah. or whatever. Okay, yeah. so why in the warehouse. following scene do they transport the angels' corpses from that location to the house where you know, Maury Chaikin is nearby? You know, the, the abandoned house out in the middle of nowhere that they just kind of found. Um, why would they transport the corpses to this location and prop them up and? chairs <laughs> that does happen because <laughs> it goes from that. one place right that that well, clearly happens why indeed okay yeah. i'm just making well, sure that i didn't like miss a beat because that like it doesn't show them like throwing them into the car and propping them up but like <laughs> it goes from one place to the other which is also supposed to be they're supposed to be a good distance apart like they're supposed to be out in the middle of nowhere in, in the cabin so that's really weird. It is, but they're angels, so maybe 
no, no, but the, the human, the, no, the humans did this. Angels are yeah. dead. The humans, Ian Holm and the butler, they pick up the corpses and transport their bodies <laughs> to the cabin and prop them up in seats. <laughs> Very confident. I talked about this when I talked about the movie before. I'm telling you because like, okay. it was so ridiculous. I'm like, what? The whole ending there and that final showdown, whatever the hell's going on with Murray's house, is really just strange. When you start picking it apart of it, it's like, what? How did that happen? And what happened to that guy? And I don't even think it takes a lot of picking apart. It seemed like pretty obviously, like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> How did you guys like the end where they're in? They're in front of a green screen where the whole movie is showing behind them, and they're just like, "But we're we love each other, right?" And that's how we met. And blah, blah, so blah. yeah, the movie wraps up with them <laughs> side by side. Yeah, exactly. You get like a best of moments going on <laughs> behind them. Yeah, um, about the claymation show. or what? So well, before the claymation bit, they they like oh, yeah. they had this conversation where they're like, it's like they get super verby and wordy and like yeah. uh like like philosophical and like uh and then like they leave the, the diner together and, and go off to like face the world as claymation which i sent you guys a picture of my face of myself uh, watching the claymation bit yeah that's the picture i sent you guys uh, my jaw oh. kind of dropped I'd completely okay. forgotten about that, but I got to say that claymation ending is the cringiest fucking thing I've ever watched on the, uh, for our show. Wow. On, and any movie yeah. that we've watched, that claymation ending is cringy as fuck. The yeah, noid is better. The noid is better claymation than that trash. That's what I happens when everybody's going off to wow. shoot another movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, what else can we throw in this son of a bitch? Like, what? Yeah. Like, just don't what do else? it. Yeah. Uh, That's regrettable, probably. I wonder what Danny Boyle thinks of it today, actually. Maybe I'll look that up and find out. Yeah, I, we, we should have looked that up before. I, I, I There is moments where I, you know, I had some fun off and on through this movie, but like by the time I'm like, why are they all the corpses there? And then there's like that green screen bit with like the best of behind them. And then there's like, it was like a really... Like, however much, whatever the movie did right up until at the end, and I really feel like just fucking, it crumbles. It just Why did they haul the corpses there? I can't figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) So they could watch them potentially move later? They didn't know that they were going to move because it freaks Ian home out. But, um, so they do, they need, like, they serve this function, but I feel like they shot the ending scene in two different locations and didn't get the footage that they wanted and just spliced them together and hope that we wouldn't notice is what I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it feels. <laughs> um, yeah. Why so... did they hold the glasses? <laughs> So those uh, those listening that are really big uh, Life Less Ordinary fans, we really hope you've enjoyed us here at the Cinema 9 Podcast. Give us five stars on the iPhones. (laughs) Based on all the ratings and stuff, I don't think there's a big audience for this movie, but that'd be my assumption. 6.5, right? 6.4, that's that's decent, man. The score was worst on Rotten Tomatoes, though. If you're out there like looking for love and you you yourself may be interested in you know, maybe some divine intervention where an angel will come down from heaven and try to murder you uh, or uh, write stuff for you for you to recite to someone you're interested in instead of you having to do any work. This could be the movie for you. And it's got Dan Hedaya in it. Who doesn't love Dan Hedaya? 
I'm not and, arguing and, that with you. And like, <laughs> and like he is perfect for that role. Um, he is really good for that role. He's a little underutilized, but he's but he's good for as as the Archangel Gabriel. But still, like, I don't understand what's happening necessarily all the time. Okay, because we didn't talk about the whole like. So he arranges this big miracle so that um, Robert can get shot through the heart and live. So, mm-hmm. but like, this is this is when I finally this is when I set my pen down. It took me towards the end. Like, I'm like, why in a million fucks? Would Celine walk into this house and be like, I can shoot him through the heart because he dreamed it? Like, you're an idiot. No, you can't. You can't. Like, no one would think this doesn't make a lick of sense. Like, that no one would think he, uh, he dreamed it. So, like, I believe in the power of love. No, that's fucking stupid. I'm you're sorry. You're not in the movie, dude. You don't I'm get sorry. It. I know. I, I just, where's my imagination? Where is my sense of frivolity? It, I, I don't know. But didn't you only get a complete... foreshadowing that she's like an excellent shot and, yeah. you know, so, what, so she, she shot can... around his heart <laughs> so she could shoot an apple so she can shoot his heart. I, yeah, it doesn't I, make I, sense to me. Either. So it would have made like it would have made more sense if because like she shoots St- Stanley Tucci in the head because he like speaks and like moves his hand and goes wait and he doesn't trust her. It would have been way it would have made way more sense if there was something perched on Ewan McGregor's <laughs> head, which is where I thought it was going to go, and like he he trusts her so he doesn't move and and so and since since she sets a good shot, she succeeds. Like that would that would make sense. But an individual walking into a room and deciding to shoot their lover through the heart to save their life, to save their life. Uh, that, that's not good. That's not good storytelling. It's just, there's no oh. it's dumb. It's just dumb. Sorry. It, but It looks like a uh, Mike shirt kind of when it happened. Oh, hell 10, 11. <laughs> Get another call out on the show. Gross. <laughs> All right. Well, we've, we, anybody want to do this or are we ready to make our rounds? All right. I think, uh, yeah, I think so. I think you ready? You Angela, go ahead and I mean, anything uh, that we didn't cover? You picked yeah, this movie, so. No, I mean, I think we covered it all. I well, want uh, to go ahead and lead us off. All right. Does it hold up? I would say no, because my gauge on does it hold up is would I watch it again? I'll probably never watch it again. <laughs> I probably won't. Like, it's. Eh. That is a succinct and conclusive answer <laughs> sorry no it's great it had its time and place in my heart and that was high school all right people change right all some right. movies are you, like you've that grown. i bet danny boyle's grown too <laughs> danny boyle. you go so i go next anybody you guys want to go next who's going next i'll go next um yeah, I think you just hit the nail on the head. When I was 17, eight years, 18 years old, it makes sense that I was dazzled by this movie and would find it like whimsical and, and cool and, and fun. Like, that makes sense. I don't know why, um, you know, a man in his 60s would sign on to it. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he was already working plenty. He was so busy that year. Didn't he? Didn't mm-hmm. he he'd, he'd like just done uh, Fifth Element, which we covered recently. But, yeah. Um, you know, uh yeah, it had a place in my heart at, at the time. I'm glad that we revisited it because I probably would have otherwise kind of continued to carry on this thought in my head that it's a decent movie because I love Delroy Lindo, I love Holly Hunter, I love Cameron Diaz, and I like Ewan McGregor. So this like and I like Danny Boyle. So I you know, but like, oh man, ah, uh, this movie does not fucking hold up. Uh it is <laughs> If if you've made it this long as a listener that really likes this movie, 
ah, I'm gonna ask you to watch it again with an open mind. Why <laughs> yeah. well, they hold the bodies? <laughs> Uh, and again, like I know it's always different when you're like watching a movie with a pen and you're like deliberately being critical and maybe I'm being overly critical, but like I, there's just uh, I, these are a couple of assholes with making choices that don't make <laughs> sense. And uh, and I think that the, the least sense is being made by the by Danny Boyle in both his writing and direction. This is not a good movie. Oh, well, uh, I'll follow you up there. Uh, a Life Less Ordinary is a film that people enjoy, and some people don't. And depending who you are, you might like it, or you might not. In the end, mm. it's entertaining, uh, fairly entertaining, but it's really, really confusing. Uh, yeah. Seems like there's a bunch going on here, like a couple movies rolled into one, and the more you start looking at it, it's ridiculous. And even though the actors are fun, the actors all do, you know, their noble best and there's some passion involved, you can tell, but it's just like, what the hell's going on? What the hell's going on here? And, uh, I'm not a, I like fun stuff. I like stupid stuff. I like really stupid stuff. So stupid can play with me, but I won't accept when you're not being true to the intentions of the film and what the characters or, you know what they really would be doing and how they'd be acting in certain situations because their motivations are lost upon the people yeah. who gave them the platform of the movie in the first place. So it's just a uh, hogwash. It's silly and weird. And... <laughs> it's balderdash. Yeah, it's balderdash. It's, uh, it's you know, scum it's base. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a it's highfalutin trash and it doesn't hold up. I'm sorry. Yikes. Is this going to be a four for four situation? Um, Seems likely. Yeah, you know what? I, I I can admire the fact that he does try to do something a little bit different. I mean, that same year you've got Excess uh, Baggage, where like it's the same like beat plot, where like the robber gets a hold of the young lady and they end up falling in love because of the scenario. Yeah. But I'll watch that in a second. In fact, that looks like Godfather Part 2 would compared to this this is a sloppy <laughs> incoherent overconfident mess i mean and the saddest part about it is for me it doesn't deliver on its premise and it shouldn't be that hard to deliver on what is kind of a cool premise two people get together and there's some divine influence there but i don't even understand these seeds that they're planting the divorce rate is low god is pissed so let's force two people that do, not not let's get two people that are married back together that are in a rough spot let's force two people together to get together that don't belong together don't want to have anything to do with each other it's this plot it's this fucking shitty script by a great writer the dude wrote shallow grave and train spotting but it's this odd mixture that doesn't play well granted it's danny boyle's first kind of foray into like american road trip cinema so i mean i think he bit off a little more than he can chew and that's an understatement but but overall, we just got an exhausting piece of trash here. It doesn't hold up at all. <laughs> and, and again, we humbly apologize to any fans. But uh, yeah, this is this is. I mean, it's a mess. It's it's frankly a mess. Like he's trying to say something about free will and fate, and like, and that gets so garbled. I don't know. Yeah, this movie. Just Devil's Advocate did free will much better, in my opinion. Bliss on. <laughs> I'm a fan of man. <laughs> Uh, All right. Are we negotiating? Always. 
Eddie Will that make an appearance on this show? Probably someday, someday. But it's worth a laugh at the very least. Yeah, not next week because I have the choice for oh. next week. It's my turn to pick. Oh, uh, we're getting back into our regular rotation, and uh, and it's my turn. So I picked the movie. <laughs> So, Eric and Mike, I would like to give you guys a little bit of an option because I've really got two movies in my head. You feeling like something maybe from 30 years ago or you feeling like something from like a decade ago? Feeling a decade ago right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We haven't done a movie from the like before the 90s in quite a long time. So, I, I don't know. We, we just did the burbs. What are you talking about? Yeah, we did oh, Ghost yeah, the burbs not that long ago. By the way, yeah, okay. the 90s was 30 years ago. That is correct. This is 1991. Yeah, Ninja Turtles. 30th years. anniversary. Ninja Turtles 2. Secret of the Use. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, all all right. right. Let's do 10 years ago. All yeah, right. you got us close. We've done a couple uh, movies right. like uh, that you chose both times. Well, I told you guys. Yes, I told you guys that I was that I would bring us back to 2012. And I'm doing you it again. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and we're going back to 2012 again. A, uh, a man that made wrote and directed one of my all-time favorite movies, but I don't want to do that movie because I already know how I feel about that movie, and I'm pretty sure I feel about this other movie, too. Um, but we've we've talked about it on the show briefly, and when we mentioned it in brief once or twice, I want to jump into it. I'm talking about Andrew Dominic's Killing Them Softly. From oh, shit. Okay. All right. That's, that's my call. choice for next week. So that a fantastic call. Loved it the so first time I saw it. Haven't seen it since. I can see All myself right. sitting there right now. Royal I loved Oak, it when Imagine I... Theater. Back I loved it when I. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll do that next week. But I, I loved it when I first saw it too, and I watched it a couple times. But I figure it's time for a revisit. So uh, I'm glad you picked that one and not uh, Jesse James. So. Yeah, I already know how I feel about Jesse James, so I don't, I don't need to watch it for the show. And I, and also just like I don't know, that's a very it's a very long movie. We have a lot to say about it. Uh, yeah. All right, so uh, if you're following along at home over the course of the next week, by all means, watch Killing Them Softly. And have a great week, you guys. Uh, anything to add before we say goodbye to everybody? Before Thanks we go to for having me, yo. We're, yeah, we're gonna go to some heaven for glamorous pussy over here. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a <laughs> life less ordinary reference for those that are not well versed in that movie. Ah. Yeah, and uh, no, really, thank you so much for coming on. We truly, truly appreciate having you on again. Um, yes, and and fawn also. Yeah, I mean, even though your movie didn't hold up, I mean, no. that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> It feels better when you also don't think it holds up. Yeah, I don't know if you guys. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, you you don't you're not gonna you're fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I don't it holds know. up either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's why you'd be fine. But I didn't yeah. know if you guys mentioned this at the beginning of the show or not. But um, the trailer for the Many Saints of Newark, very exciting, very excited for that, and uh, that is something that I think we should all go see in theaters uh, together. Yes, at least Yay. two of us here. If I don't know, if maybe maybe we could do a. I'd be, hell, I'd be willing to pick Travis up and go over there and meet, meet you guys and right, do it together yeah. if you want. But Let's that would be. A, I'm excited you, about it, big time. I tell you, I don't, I don't watch previews, uh, as you guys well know. I don't do. No, trailers. yeah, yeah. So I haven't watched that. But I, I, but what I have done, and not to plug another podcast, is Michael Imperioli and Stephen Sharipa, who plays uh, Bobby Bacala. They have a podcast together where they analyze each episode. So I've started rewatching uh, podcasts, and I'm and I'm doing one and one. I'm, gonna, I'm watching one episode, then I'm listening to the podcast episode, going back and forth. So that's how I'm going to prepare. I mean, I've watched the season. I've watched all seasons like I don't know six, seven times, but I'm ready to do it again. Oh my god! Christopher! I don't know if I can go back yet. I don't know if I can go back yet. 
It's so heavy. Have you noticed yeah, once you start going in like the first season, you're like, God, dang, this is heavy. It starts to it starts to lighten up after that, but it's just a lot of stress at first. It is it's so stressful. It's too stressful. I can't do this. Yeah, I only watched it once, and that wasn't until 2016. Wow, I know Travis was shocked when I when I was telling you about that at the time. And that whole year, 2016, I was walking around going, "Woke up this morning," <laughs> just all day, every day. That's wait all I did. So, just yeah. do it again. Into the game. <laughs> Woke up this <laughs> morning. Don't. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's, that's honestly we're gonna hang up, and that's I'm gonna go watch the third episode right now. That's what I'm gonna do. So. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, everybody. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, one, one more thing. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I did the uh, I did this pod called uh, You Mean an Album. So I'd yeah. like you guys to follow it. This guy, Al, he's a really nice man. He's older than us, but he's a sweet man. And uh, I did keep it like a secret. Built to Spills, keep it like a secret. So basically, we break down the whole album, talk about our experience with it track by track. It's a really cool show. I plugged this show on that show, too. So we should just at least do that at the very least. And both of you. And I told him, uh, you know, Travis was always one of the most influential music people I ever knew. He was always the guy who knew everything before everybody else. So hopefully uh, you'll eventually get that invite, you know, and I'd like to see what you would pick. So either way, oh, You, Me, and an Album by L. Melchior. Really good stuff. He went to the University of Michigan, so he's kind of local too. So if you if you need any more reasons, I'm just trying to give you as many reasons as possible. Honestly, everybody just follow MJ Govier at Twitter so you can be involved in his many different podcasts and guest hosts that he does. He's got a whole thing going on. You guys, I mean, if, you, if you're a fan of us on the show, you must like Mike too. So be aware that he does many other things. He wears a lot of hats. All right, anything else to add anybody else? (laughs) For real this time. All right, thank you so much, everybody. We are going to end the broadcast right now. Bye.